0: Hey folks, before we start this week's show featuring Andy Parker from Elusive Brewing, with a slight addition to make to the recording. Andy has asked us to share the following with our listeners. In the days between this episode of the show being recorded and the beers scheduled release, we continued our post packaging QC testing process of the beers. Our forced aging test exposed a potential issue with additional fermentation in the can beyond the planned secondary fermentation needed to carbonate the beers. Rather than risk releasing substandard beer, we've decided to delay the release of Nexus. Please consider this show a preview and keep an eye on elusive socials for the release details in a few weeks' time. Now, obviously, as soon as the beer is ready for le- release, we'll be shouting about it on social media and we'll let you know that you're able to get it. But in the meantime, Andy's made sure that our listeners can take advantage of a special mixed case, including the latest batch of my beer of the year, Oregon Trowel you can get that at elusivebrewing.com backslash opinions or click on the show notes on the phrase nicest man in beer. Thanks for listening and without further ado, let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass and we are ready to go, aren't we, Martin?
1: We are ready to go. I've got no idea why we've got three MP stouts lined up, mate, for goodness sake. But I'm glad we're not doing it alone.
0: No, me either. And I think those three Imperial stouts are very much down to our guest this week. Welcome, Andy Parker from Elusive Brewing. It's great to have you on the
2: podcast, mate. Good evening, guys. Great to be on. And It's been a lovely sunny day today, so perfect for some big stouts. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we've got the the first the first of three that we're going to be doing with you tonight. This is a new series uh, that you're releasing shortly uh this is nexus imperial stout there's three editions there's a hive espresso edition there's a tonka and vanilla edition and there's a raspberry ruin edition uh we're going to be drinking these tonight uh we've got the first one in the glass which is the espresso stout tell us a little bit about
2: this beer before we
0: have a little taste of it
2: so what we did uh we took we took the same base stout and split it three ways at packaging uh just have a little bit of fun with some different flavors so the, the base stout is a uh, yeah, fairly fully roasty imperial stout. Quite a classic imperial stout. No lactose. Lots of kind of roasted malts. Uh, some oats in there. Um, fermented with a clean uh, yeast strain. So pretty much a straight up imperial stout. And then we just kind of took it in different directions. And um, Nexus as a word means like a series of interconnected things. So hence, hence the name. Hey, you've really thought about that as well, haven't you? <laughs> We'll come on to that later. I've got I've got some some people that are interested in like doing things properly these days. So uh, yeah, we'll talk about that
1: later. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not surprised given the, uh, the the thought that goes into some of the the labelling, the packaging, and the eight bit gaming references. So that doesn't surprise me. But I have to admit, I am looking forward to tasting it, though, Andy. I think no, weirdly, uh, the, the I mean, this is not an eight bit
2: design. It's like a more of a yeah. We've gone a little bit left field for us for the branding on this with black cans, black lids. Uh, and like a, a, a monochrome design, so more away from, from pixel artwork. But uh, yeah, it's uh, something we might, uh, might look at a little bit as we go through the series. I was very surprised when I took it out of the box. I was like, what's this? This is, you know, I just wasn't expecting to see it. We went, we went down there. So we the first time we used black cans and uh, I ordered some lids uh, and they were running a little bit late and I was stressing out because we lids ready to can the beer. And then I was looking across and we, we just did the collab with Siren, which was the Zombies Ain't My Neighbors black IPA. And I looked at it I am like, hang on a minute, Siren used black lids. <laughs> So I rang Steve Orwell, who's their production manager, said, look, have you got any black mates? He's like, yeah, we've got about three quarters of a million in there, Andy. How many do you need? <laughs> so bailed us out with the, the packaging, these uh, these black cans with black lids. So thanks, Siren, again.
0: Yes, they are the best of neighbours to you, aren't they? They, they definitely they, they, are. They really are. Let's um, talk no more about it, because the aroma coming from this beer is is uh, absolutely got me salivating, and I really want to dive into it. So cheers.
1: Cheers. Cheers. it's rubbish isn't it don't know if i (laughs) want any more of that um it's really quite subtle andy Um, although it's got quite a a very nice aroma when we first open the can and it's sitting there in the glass um it's not overly punchy and i think it's quite subtle with the coffee notes overlaying some of those roasty notes as well with um and it's really still starting to come on a bit of a dryness going on as well yeah
2: i think that's fair martin we we basically and i picked pick the order for tonight because this is the um, the kind of least in your face and we went with a very fruity coffee bean from from has been a brazilian uh, fazienda varietal um and it was basically we turned it into espressos a little shop um coffee shop and craft beer bar opened up near us called the hive in crowthorne and we took it took the beans up to alex up there and he turned them into espresso for us and we just dosed the espresso into the finished beer as the first of the three that we packaged so we're going to taste them in your the order. We package them, if you like, on day. Um, and this was all about kind of let's not overpower the, the base style. Let's just add and lay some notes against it just to kind of just, you know, just round the edges a little bit with the, the base beer, push the coffee notes forward a little bit, but not go too mad with uh, with overpowering the flavours of the base beer.
1: I think that's actually really important because I did have a, I think it was a, it was called a, do, a double coffee Stout or something. Um, can't remember who it's from. It was part of the work, the work beer tasting recently, and it probably took me a couple of hours to get through because it was when it said double coffee. It was. It was properly thick, really big coffee notes, really bold. Whereas I have to admit, I'm still quite young in my coffee journey, um, and I have got some has been coffee at home at the moment, but I prefer it to be in there, noticeable. But I still want to know what's going on with the beer side. So yeah, I really I really appreciate what you've done there. It's quite light as well in the body.
2: Yeah, quite light. And also like we bear in mind we're, we're working with a 10% beer here. And it's about um yeah, just just trying to round things out a little bit. Um but we didn't we decided not to release the base stout as kind of a naked beer. Um, but this is the as close to that as 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 we kind of wanted to get. But I just wanted to push that coffee forward without anything too, you know, overpowering in your face. And when you get on to the other two. Uh, they're definitely more intense in terms of the flavor profile so hence kind of starting with this one. Steve what's
1: your uh, thoughts before it evaporates in your glass?
0: It's, it's, it is it's really delicious um, it's quite it's quite soft and sort of like almost there's a, there's a velvety smoothness to it as well which which I really like on the finish I've got this lovely big pillowy off-white head as, as, as well that's just that's not going anywhere it's just hanging around in my glass um, yeah you're right about that finish being really really dry as 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 well that's where you get all the um that the bitter roasted coffee notes is right on that finish um and that that just comes together so well for me it's
1: fantastic we'd better ask andy a couple of questions steve because you know (laughs) beer evaporation is a real thing
0: (laughs) yeah otherwise we're in danger of
1: smashing through this one (laughs) smashing a 10 percent in the first half hour of the podcast yeah yeah
0: um (laughs) so andy elusive turns five this year doesn't it
2: yeah and, and it still blows my mind that it's five years um yeah yeah in may so our first brew uh, was right at the end of april of 2016 and the first beers came out in may um so yeah five years old and this year we're planning um some kind of collaborations to release at the end of may uh, but yeah it's been five years and i can't decide if it feels like one
1: or 20 it <laughs> really depends how it's going sometimes doesn't it it's Probably one of those things that, right? yeah. depending how good the day or the week has been we yeah, <laughs> sort of dictate I mean, how, how long uh, it goes
2: i remember our fourth birthday was um obviously during lockdown quite early on last year and uh, and our third birthday we somehow ended up being too busy to really do anything about uh, And i thought like next year we're going to do something for our fifth birthday so um, here it is and but we're just
1: hopefully emerging from lockdown
2: uh, in time for it. So.
1: so if memory serves me correctly, Andy, then it was only a couple of months after Elusive Brew's first beer release that you appeared on the last Beer O'Clock show live at Hoxburn and Black.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, um, and again, like, that's it really that long ago. It's incredible. Um, yeah, that was the live, the live show. Um, and I think we had a little mini keg on the bar about one of our, like, our, Pilot beers, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, good times. Um, I miss like Hot Burns of Black, awesome little place, and well, not so little anymore. They've got a little empire that Jelling then building down in Southeast London, um, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's surreal to think it was that long ago. Um, and uh, you know, chatting a little bit before the show that you guys have been going for so long, um, where does the time go?
0: Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's um, we we turn nine this this year as a as, as kind of a entity as a podcast and, and and martin's been with us for five of those years from from september as as well so yeah and um it, it does seem as though our, our journeys have been kind of interconnected or all, all of the way through because uh, again i was saying to you earlier that you you were one of the first people that i remember ever chatting to really on twitter on on, on social media about beer um used to be kind of a, a regular friday night sort of Gang of people that would be drinking and would be chatting, and and, and you one knows. And that 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 was obviously back when you were still still homebrewing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I started homebrewing in well properly in two thousand and twelve, and that was yeah right right then. And I remember sharing some early brews. In fact, an imperial stout. um, Yeah, on one of your early shows, Um, and yeah, like it's great to be back on again. And I think back as you say, like it's there's definitely a connection between the show and our our little journey. and like you guys turning nine, cri- crikey, and uh, yeah, this year for us is five as a professional brewery, but yeah, about the same as, as in terms of my brewing, and yeah, it's um, I don't know, it, it feels a bit weird to talk it talk about a thing being you know that long. It's uh, yeah, very strange. So what have been in in those five
0: years, what what have been the real big moments for you what have been your your greatest highlights i suppose of of the first five years of elusive
2: well one one was very recent we we um appeared on sunday brunch um a couple of weeks ago Um, that you know mark dredge who is someone i again i remember from those friday nights on twitter um mark used to write a blog called pencil and spoon um and he was always like the um always really positive and i love reading what he wrote and he's since gone on to write many, well, well yeah, many books Is failed. I think he's on his sixth um, and obviously he now presents on TV um, and they do a Sunday morning slot on, on Sunday brunch on channel four and every month they'll get um, either Mark or Sarah Woolman, I think we'll go on and and present like some different beers in a different style and, and this was our Morris Man chocolate Stout a couple of weeks ago and that was a real landmark moment because, you know, I was there watching national television on the Sunday morning um and, and there's one of my beers on there uh, and that's that's pretty mad i think looking li- a little bit further back um i remember being at Beavertown extravaganza uh, a couple of years ago uh, and we were pouring along alongside firestone walker uh, matt brunelton's a head brewer there uh, and um i mean i've idolized his beers in that brewery for a long time and um purely because of the alphabet. (laughs) We were next to Firestone Walker and that was just mad for me. But there's been many highlights along the way. Um, And uh, as I said, I I can't decide if it was like one year or 20, but here we are, we're still going five years in.
1: That's pretty awesome. I, I mean, I think you may have mentioned that Firestone Walker story before and it always makes me chuckle that one, but you've ended up beside them purely because e2f <laughs> it's brilliant i love that one no planning whatsoever required on your part to make make your move and firestone walker they're actually next door
2: <laughs> exactly sorted and i remember uh like they were having trouble with a beer that was fobbing with a linden machine i'm like oh i can fix that for you matt you know mate nice to meet you you know <laughs> <laughs> got, got chatting and fixed his fobbing cakes and um, and we're not friends for life don't you know didn't end didn't like happily ever after but um yeah it was nice to chat to matt and um and yeah, just kind of explain that, uh, you know, our little story and, and that, you know, much admiration for Matt's beers. And they, they, at one point that weekend, they put um, parabola on, um, which is their barrel aged. I mean, that barrel aged, it's, it's one of my favourite ever beers. And, um, and leaning over for a sneaky little pour of that um, it was pretty cool. Thinking, oh, actually, maybe, you know, a little bit of imposter syndrome, to be honest, but... A little bit rough at all, you know. We're part of this thing now, and this is quite cool. Maybe you know, maybe we're getting
1: there. I mean, there's nothing wrong with thinking that at all. We all all get imposter syndrome at some point. It's usually for the wrong reason. So, no, you're you're, you know this this beer is uh, putting you right up there, as far as I'm concerned at the moment, Andy. Um, But so years four to five, obviously, Mm. coincided with probably the worst time for the beer, off-trade, well, off-trade, on-trade, hospitality. And, you know, before I ask you what it's been like for you, obviously, as consumers, it's probably a very different uh, perspective taking away our access to pubs. But suddenly, you and so many others are innovating your beer styles, uh, going into cans, delivery straight from your, you know, web shop and stuff like that. So as consumers, for at-home drinking... I'm just talking purely at home drinking, non-cast. I've probably never had it so good with access and ease of access. But for you, and especially for you, elusive, as a fairly small operation, what has the last year been like?
2: Oh, this, I mean, it's, I was thinking about this last week because, um, like, it's been a year, like a year pretty much to the date. Like, the, the, I remember that week of the 21st of March last year, Um and we were basically um, Ricky Abra just joined us um, a few weeks before that, and we were looking at like how many bottles can we fill? Like we need to, we need to go home. We need to lock this place down. Uh, let's package what we can, and let's let's do that. And um, and we did that over the, that Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday was the the lockdown official kind of thing, or was it might have been Thursday? I can't remember. Um, I remember going home. Um, and sitting at home, and, and I got really emotional. I just sat on the sofa, and Jane's like, "You're Jane my wife," was like, "You're right." I'm like, "Well, I don't know what's going to happen now. What, what's next?" Um, and just being quite reflective for a little while, and I kind of sat at home that weekend, thinking, well, "What you know? What do we need to do?" Um, you know, and, and I'm quite a, um, I'm definitely a thinker. Well, at least people thinks for a very long time, and then does things really quickly. Uh, that's kind of how I work. And I, and I thought that, you know, I thought things through that, well, we need to, you know, we need to sell the small packs stuff we've got, in you know, the online shop. We need to, we've got other beer we've got in package. That's money we can get back. You know, let's, let's sell the cars and cakes we've got. What do we need to do to enable that? And it became kind of a, a thing that let's just kind of um, think this through logically. Let's adapt. You know, let's make contact with the people that come to the tap room. We've got some of their email addresses. Let's talk to them um let's get online we've got you know a, a, an amazing following online let's talk to them let you know what do we need to do to to progress and get through at least the next month and then let's see where we are and, and that's what it was all about was just kind of baby steps and adapting and then and then deciding how we're going to uh, respond and react to what happened so um it, it's been um in many ways it's transformed elusive um Very positively, Uh, and in fact, uh, today we announced we're hiring uh, Ruth Mitchell, BFA, who I know you guys are friends with. Uh, This a year ago, we would never have been in in a position to do that. So we're looking at now, like moving forward, and that's purely because of what we've done in the past year to grow new revenue streams, to adapt to the situation that's been thrown at us, and we kind of emerged from that towards the end of last year, back before more lockdowns came, in in quite a nice position, and that we had. An online shop doing well, we had a tap room doing well, uh, direct delivery's doing well, trade picking up, um, and thought it, it kind of filled me with a little bit of confidence. And now that's coming back again. And, and I think this year, you know, I look back on the last year with mixed emotions, given that, you know, a lot of people lost loved ones. And and that remember that feeling of, of guilt sat on that sofa that weekend when I went home, thinking, well, you know, who gives a, who gives a shit if, if my brewery goes out of business? Then there's people dying. Uh, and people are losing their friends and family, you know, I'm just doing something because, you know, I, I wanted to do it. And, and that little pang of guilt, um, and it's kind of taken that that kind of, I don't know, that that last year, I think, and turning it into something positive for the business, given the incredible support that we've had uh, in this past year. I'm still I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. It's just been insane. I think from, from my
0: point of view as, as a consumer, Certainly, what I saw from yourself and many other breweries as well was very quick reaction to getting into the online space and some somewhere where you'd maybe either never thought about that just now, or it was in your plans for the future. But you did have an online offer very, very quickly and i know that was maybe initially um a lot of sort of beer in bag beer in box get stuff out locally to to people that can either come and collect or that you could deliver locally um and then we saw the onset of uh elusive slowly moving from a bottled product which we'd all become very familiar with to elusive cans and I've got to say, mate, the, the amount of new beers that you've bought out in, in this time as well is I, I'm I'm amazed at how you're bringing out so much new stuff with the, the, the fairly small brewery that you've got. There always seems to be something new coming out from you. And I think I think you reacted really well to what was going on and you adapted and you've definitely overcome as a result of that.
2: I, yeah, I think that's that's we adapted very quickly because it was a little bit. I remember that week of, um, I mean, if you remember back to the communications from the government, that, that, you know, from quite early in March, was don't go to the pubs, stay at home, kind of thing. And then, and then it turned into a formal lockdown. And trade sales in March were pretty, you know, understandably, you know, wasn't what's going on. Pubs are running down their stock, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, and we at the time, um, Andy Nolan from Siren, um who's there he's been there from quite early on uh, maybe the first year maybe just after that um and he came over to see me he said Andy like if you need anything at all uh just let me know uh, like you know online shop anything you know anything like that just just shout and I, and I went and saw them I spoke to Jason who's our ops manager what do we need to do to be able to ship stuff and he gave me his parcel force contacts so, as well speak to these guys get an account set up we've got the online shop up and running and uh, we had a website that had a we use Squarespace, it's got the e-commerce thing kind of built in. Very fortunately, we just, after Christmas, we restocked our small pack, uh, you know, beers, and we had a little bit of stock there. So we, we did move quite quickly, given the support of Sarah and Wild Weather, who, uh, Ian over there, is like, we've got all these boxes we're not using, you know, do you want some boxes? Uh, and like, yeah, I think people rallied around us, and that was, you know, some of the larger boys nearest rally around and put an arm out, put a hand out and helped us. And um, we were up and running because of that quite quickly. Uh, we didn't need to think too much about how to ship stuff, how to package it, you know, we were helped in that.
1: And I'm eternally grateful to, to those two guys for helping us out. I mean, think it's, it's really good to hear about some of those uh, other breweries around you, especially some of the more established ones, sort of pitched in. Um, and I think part of that is, is down to you, as a person, Andy, I mean your beers are outstanding. But if you're a bit the git, you probably get less help, mate. So, <laughs> you know, ha, you know the the, the title is well founded that you have on, on beer Twitter. So, you know, you should take that as a compliment yourself that they were able to rally around. But I mean, Steve's right. Suddenly seeing your beers available, which. I didn't see that often. Often it would be if I went to a beer festival, it would definitely be on the on the tap-led kind of thing, or when I went to Beer Merchants that time when you were releasing your your camera homebrew book and there was some, some beer on tap as well. So actually, the access to your beers, like I said at the start, is actually almost better for me right now. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'd still love to be having this as a pint. Well, actually, maybe this one as a pint. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I could drink it. Come on, Steve, it is damn good but I probably wouldn't have a second pint of the same beer, but I, I would love to be having some pints of Elusive, but uh, and I think something else, which Steve or myself or Steve and myself have said, some of your beers that would translate, have translated very well from what we consider to be your, maybe cask offerings into can and gives us that close to cask feel. So I think you've really, I think you have really upped your quality levels as well, mate. They were good before. I think they've actually got better.
2: That's very kind of you to say, and I think, um, it my my I mean, we're bringing Ruth on, um, to help with sales, marketing events, and so on. My focus this year is, is on improving quality. Um, and we, we've been, I mean, we, you talked about more availability, it's been been weird because, um, I, I, I can talk about Lord Nelson as an example. We brew that beer once a year because we can't shift it, <laughs> and it's got people that love it. Uh, we put a bit in bottle, a bit in keg, and it slowly runs down it's a five barrel brew and last year we brewed it three times because we were able to get get it out there more because people were buying it directly uh, people that liked it and and it kind of went from there and then we ran out of bottles and i I couldn't um of all our bottles and i couldn't physically produce enough bottle stock uh, by myself even with help from from a friend um to fulfill the online shop demand so we i started contract canyon so we sent beer away in a bulk container to be canned and came back ready canned so we didn't have to, you know, can ourselves and, and worry about the labor aspects of it. And that's where, um, you know, uh, Oregon Trail came from. Um, you know, we, we contract, we still contract and actually an overflow spellbinder. So those are the beers that we kind of, let, let's do these in cans and see how they translate. And we went from there uh, towards the end of September, uh, bought our own canning line, a little secondhand line from Three Hills. We were up in northampton actually they, they bought affinity's old site in, in uh, bermondsey so they're in bermondsey as well um and we kind of went from there started canning our own beer uh, and we were because because of our equipment we had to can condition it uh, in fact we still are the beers you're drinking now are can condition so definitely you know it's re-fermented in the can you know it is cast beer <laughs> lacing <laughs> lacing um, look lacing yeah lacing on the glass yeah so um, yeah, it's been um, a little bit um, out of necessity that we, we've done that, but we are this week also taking in some more equipment upgrades that will allow us to get a little bit more throughput through carbonating our beer, uh, things like that. But it's been the transition to can was basically born out of a little bit of market forces, a little bit we need to produce more small pack. What's the what's the best thing to do in that regard? And obviously the answer was to can. We can't do it ourselves. That's contract can. And then, you know, we brought it in-house uh, towards the end of the year. And we haven't looked back, to be honest. I mean, that canning, um, when the market opened up, you think back in August, the were open, and then uh, we, we had let those kind of three months of things being somewhat back to normal with distancing and, and, you know, rule of six and all that. Um But when we came back to the market in August, September, with cans as part of our offering trade sales really picked up and wholesale picked up and you know people that would never stock our bottles uh, because you know bottles are a very small uh a percentage of sales this year in the craft market um you know they were buying our cans and I would not look back from them to be honest
0: do you do you think you have to have your beer in can to be in the game
2: these days um I saw Boke and Bailey sent a tweet yesterday where well, they, they retweeted something from Westerham, and Westerham have moved um, into Cannes recently. And Westerham, if you think, uh, I've always viewed them as like a progressive traditional kind of brewery. Um, you know, they've got their kind of cask range. You've got a slightly more progressive, uh, you know, bottle can keg range. Um, and you know, they're moving to Cannes And I think, I think it's very tough to have any kind of volume in bottled beer these days you look at the likes of the colonel who are maybe an exception uh, exceptional quality iconic brand let's be honest um and everyone recognizes it and they, i buy it whenever i see it uh, but if you're a new brewery starting up it, you know bottles was going to be pretty tough for you I think. Uh, can is the way to go and it would be remiss of me not to pick up on it seeing as you've
0: already mentioned it uh oregon trail obviously my beer of the year last year just um a stunning stunning piece of work on 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 that where where did your inspiration come from for that beer
2: um it goes back a long way to 2012 since we mentioned it earlier uh I, you know i started homebrewing and the first homebrew i did as an all-grain kind of homebrewer was a clone of green Flash's west coast ipa um which is all about the big kettle additions of hops and all about that flavour and bitterness. Less so okay. about the dry hop and aroma. Um, it, it's kind of almost amber in colour. It's got that kind of, you know, sweet caramel toffee crystal malt thing going on. Uh, that was our inspiration. And when um, there's a, a little uh, micro pub um, down in Ferrum called the West Ale Alehouse. And um, they approached me, they were a customer of ours, and they approached me about doing a beer to launch their uh, little beer club they were doing. Um, so can you brew us a West Coast IPA? And we'll take, we'll take a bit of it. And uh, So they it was like, well, okay, great. I've wanted to do this for a while. Let's go back to that recipe and let's you know, let's brew something uh, along those lines. And, and when, when I wanted to contract can, I didn't want to do, uh, I didn't want to risk anything hazy, juicy, worried about do two, things like that. So let's go, with, we initially went with um, a lager or Coastal Lager, Overflow and, and Spellwinder. And then we went with, uh, once we were confident in our process, we went with Oregon Trail and Anomalous Materials, which was a Hazy pale, And that's kind of, those were our first four canned beers. And, and we put Oregon Trail out. Um, and I, It still baffles me uh, how that did so well last <laughs> oh, year. Uh, because, because it was think, bloody good mate <laughs> that, that's how. <hell. laughs> that's really that's really fine. but I think um, I have one theory about how like last summer remember it was a long hot summer we were locked down we were in our gardens at home and I think that Oregon Trail was a little bit familiar familiarity a little bit of nostalgia for people it was that kind of the beers we were drinking in 2012 it was like you know the, the this is this was better times in the glass this was Back when things were easier and life was simpler before coronavirus. And you know, maybe I think that's a one theory I have about the beer is that it was successful because it reminded people of better times.
1: I think it definitely reminded people of maybe the beers that they certainly for me and Steve. And you know, before I get pulled up post this being released by UNRCD, you were literally just picked by your 2020, Andy. It was such a (laughs) close run thing for me. To be Um, fair, Martin, I thought that was a better beer. So I'm with you on that, mate. Thank you very much. See, there you go, Paul. Anyway, (laughs) um, I think also, I think that the the can design, it was a very bright colours. I think the name was sort of like a bit spot on as well. And I think, yes, it landed at the right time in a bad time. Um, But ultimately, it was what was inside the can. And, you know... Steve certainly couldn't get enough of it. And I'm pretty certain that me and Steve uh, may have done one of our split orders. And I was a bit concerned about getting my share. (laughs) Uh, When I agreed for it to be delivered to his, I did wonder if that was a bit of a fatal error on my part, whether I was going to see those ever. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, ultimately, yes, that all these other factors contributed to it, but the actual beer inside the can, once people started to taste it, how clean it was, how tasty it was, a right, little bit above sessionable, but it was still in a nice ballpark yeah. you know, number as well. Um, so, you know, it, it really ticked the box. And when you then said you were going to bring it out again, um, did you have to up the volume quite a bit to match what you yeah, thought might be to say? We're, we're
2: still contract canning that beer because um, we, bought
1: that, we
2: bought that little canning line from Three Hills that I mentioned and um, the demand is is beyond probably what we can do on that line um but it would take us yeah like three of us all day to pack it um so yeah it's still contract hand, and we we keep brewing it and it's become weirdly our best-selling beer uh we're now calling it a cool beer uh, it really is part of our like that that sort about that, that period towards the back half of last year where things turn a bit of a corner for us and i started to feel more positive about where we were going as a business and um Oregon Trail was a big part of that, and yeah, that's um, the timing was right. The beer was what we wanted to drink, and and we're reaping the rewards of that, and I'm very thankful.
0: As, as you've said, it has been one hell of a year for the hospitality in, in industry, um, and as we are, I suppose, on the precipice of, of beginning to come out of that now, do you think the the, the changes that you've essentially been forced to make to the way you do business. Do, do you think that's going to have put you in a, in, in a better position as, as we start to come out of lockdown to meet uh, a, a wider market and to, to, to get more beers into more consumers' hands? I th-
2: yeah, I, I, I think yes, Steve. And I think um, what happened in the past year for us was that we found new markets that we weren't in before. But look back to, um, let's say, late 2019, because early 2020 is, is a bit of an anomaly uh, for different reasons. But late 2019, you know, we were probably we, we had the tap room then it opened in November. Um, we were selling, we were packaging a little bit into bottle just for the tap room and a couple of local customers. But we kind of uh, were 90% pubs, uh, wholesale, directs, uh, but all about cake and cask and cask. Um, and we emerged, like, look at the back end of last year, uh, we were, crikey, like December, our sales are 90 percent can. That's that's quite a swing. Um, and that was a big shift for us as a business. And I think that kind of we've now got different options open to us. Um, and. Basically, yeah, I would I would say that we, we've diversified as a business um, and we've now got different areas into which we can grow, and that's given me confidence to step on a bit this year. Um, so yeah, very, very, like a, a very weird transition of the year. Um, obviously, as I said earlier, it's been a horrible year for many reasons for many people. Um, but looking purely at elusive brewing as a business, uh, it was transformation for us, and that we learned about you know different markets, how to work within them, how to work directly with customers in the locality. Putting leaflets through doors, knocking on doors, how it's saying loads of people, getting people to the tap room. Um,
1: we've adapted and we've we're now kind of reaping the rules we having done. That, I, think. I think that's really good. I think the um, I think you may have mentioned the leaflets through the door bit on beers frontiers, and I thought how wonderfully old school to literally <laughs> go around door to door. I think it was a new development near you, and yeah. tell people you're there.
2: Yeah, exactly. They're building, there's right near the brewery is a, an old army garrison at Arbufield. And they're building, I think it's 3,000 houses. It's an insane big development. And um, every week there's another bit of it gets built. And, and they're coming right to the periphery of the estate where we are, St. Siren. And it was like back in November, uh, October, November, like, well, let's talk to these people. They, they don't know we're here let's put a leaflet through a door and let's, you know, people washing their cars or whatever, you know, hello, how you doing? Socially distance, of course. But, you know, let's engage with the people that might not know we're here. Um, and we still get people every weekend that walk through where that estate kind of comes through a Woodland onto where the industrial estate is. And they walk through like, oh, hello, what's this? And, you know, and, and every week we have new people find us. And I think, you know, I, I kind of said um, on, that, on that podcast um, that, you that. If we could sell to everyone within a mile of the brewery, we'd be okay um, as a business. So let's let's talk to those people. I think that's an
0: interesting point that you make there about let letting those people know you're there because I think that's the one thing that that seems to be missing these days on any new build estates. They that, that there are no pubs. Built on 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 estates anymore. It's not like, you you know, when the first estates were, were were built many years ago, there were always there were always pubs factored into that, weren't they? As as kind of the community centres, the community hubs of of the new estate and the new towns that were being built, and you just don't get that anymore. I mean, I I, I live on a on a new build estate, and my closest drinking venue is the golf club that we surround. And so, so when, when they open back up that that's essentially going to become my local is, 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 is a golf club. Otherwise I've got to walk into town to, to, to get a pint in, in, in a pub. And I think the fact that you're there on their doorstep selling fresh beer from your taproom direct to consumer, I'd, I'd love that. I'd love to be able to just walk through um, the, 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 woods behind me and, on, and onto the lo- nearest estate and happen across elusive
2: brew. Yeah, I think and if you look at it in the U, in the US, which is probably as close as we'll get to kind of where we're going, you know, that's very much a thing. And there's a neighborhood neighborhood brewery, uh, or a tap room or something. And um yeah, like we're you know, we're we're very small still as a business. Um and you know we're very much about you know our tap room we want to be welcome welcoming to the locals and, and it's their destination, it's their venue. Uh let's make them live as welcome as possible and let's let's you know, let's be the local place to go and drink a beer because, you know, there are a couple of pubs nearby, but they're definitely further out. And Anubis is a bit of a walk down some weird lanes that aren't haven't really got footpaths and stuff. It's quite rural where we are, um, and you know, there's definitely opportunity for us. And, and again, you know, with Ruth joining us, um, you know, one of her jobs is to try and engage those people and let, let's tell them we're there. Let's get them down. Come and have a half one. let us. Have a chat. Um, and let's 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 become the, the neighborhood, the local brewery.
1: That's what we want. Uh, you're probably lucky that Steve isn't just down the road, though, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be more like living at your tap room and then taking a walk down to his house every night. He he's planned
2: uh, a few trips down. He's been kiboshed by lockdown <laughs> several times. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he'll be down soon. <laughs> We really need to talk about
0: these beers though, because the the first one's <laughs> gone. Um, it, it was, and and I know we we're, we're going to hold a little bit back of, of each of them as, as as well, aren't we? So can we, we can do yeah. a bit of direct comparison at the end? Go back back
2: through again afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I I found that utterly delicious. That is that is exactly what I um, look for in both an imperial stout and an imperial stout with coffee in it. That the, the balance was just incredible. Um, and it, it, it just landed really well with me. Um, Martin, what about yourself?
1: Do you know what? It's one of those stouts as well, but I probably could have had a little bit more chilled. And just as it starts to warm up, so those flavours come through even more because... Some of that that fruity notes from the from the coffee that you referenced, Andy, as well, would have started to to come through more gradually than at the start. I think it would have been a wonderful beer to start off with a bit more chilled. And you know, I think we've all we've all said it at various times, you know, a, a chilled stout, it's a, it's a nice summer drink. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I like a milk stout cold in the summer. A little bit of
2: a weird pleasure, and um, you know, a little bit of sweetness, nice and cold. Um, but yeah, I think that's right with the coffee one in particular. And maybe the raspberry one too, I don't know. But yeah, it's a good shout. But like start chilled, let it warm under the
0: Well, let's move on to the next one. Once again, this is um, Nexus. And this is the Tonka and Vanilla edition of it. So tell us about this one, Andy. So again, the
2: same based out and what we did was create a tincture. Uh, with tonka, like raw tonka bean uh, and uh, vanilla. Um, so basically taking like a um, a clean spirit and, and soaking the herbs, spices in that, uh, and then working at a dosing quantity and adding it to the finished beer. So uh, we, we wanted to, I mean, tonka is is quite divisive. Um, I don't want you guys, I, Steve, you're not, maybe not the biggest fan of it. <laughs> I'm understating that. Um, but I, I always get like a slightly almondy, cinnamony vibe from Tonka. And and the vanilla's in there to kinda of counter that a little bit. So it's not it's not mega intense with Tonka. Um it's 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 trying to be a little bit rounded with the vanilla. Um but if I guess if you don't like tonka, you'll probably smell it and go, Whoa. But um yeah, see what you think. Let's give it a go then.
1: Cheers. Cheers.
0: Okay, I'm I'm gonna leave then. So Yes, you get the Tonka on the nose and absolutely agree with, 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 with those characteristics and in, in, insofar as the, the, the cinnamon uh, element of it, that, that comes through. Um, on the flavour, what you're getting is you're getting that um, very similar flavour to the, uh, the espresso edition. It's, it's, it's got that big, bold roastiness. Um, the, the Tonka notes are, are, are very, very subtle. On on the flavour, mm-hmm. as, as as far as I'm concerned, um, and and again, it's finishing big and roasty and and and, and dry for me. Uh, Martin,
1: I'm probably going to disagree. Um, my reference point for tonka is fairly much exclusively Brew York, who we've already referenced, because obviously we know that Lee loves a bit of tonka beans in his beer. Yeah. Um, and but the cinnamon is definitely there. This almost feels like um, a Christmas in out stout with the uh, the cinnamon notes running through it. Um it's again it's really well carbonated. It feels more like um a keg stout rather than the last one which felt like a cask stout to me in mouthfeel. I'm not I I probably don't dislike Tonka in the same way that Steve does. I'm just always a bit wary of it because of the the very strong flavour profile and aroma that comes with it. This one's given me a bit more warmth than the first one as well. Mm-hmm. So this is why I think I'm likening it a bit more to maybe a bit of a Christmas wintry version of the yeah, stout. Yeah, it's interesting. It
0: it feels it feels more boozy than the the, the first one. Didn't I? I know we say this a lot, but it didn't really feel like a ten percent beer. It wasn't really drinking its ABV. Um, this one, it's it's got a boozy warmth to the finish, so therefore it's kind of it feels it's it's wearing that ten percent on its sleeve a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the um, and also the vanilla uh, adds that kind of vanilla note that you associate with a like something that's got maybe a bit of bourbon quality about it uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, I'm definitely getting, yeah, a bit more of that higher higher ester kind of alcohol in there. It's got that kind of, yeah, as you kind of swirl it around your glass, um, you can, yeah, you know it's a stronger beer for sure.
1: Yeah, compared to the first one, there's definitely, if I was doing as a blind tasting, I would have said I've stepped up in ABV, but these are exactly the same, aren't they, Andy? Yeah, same base beer. So, we're, we're, we're 10% across the, the range, aren't we? Yeah. Whereas... I'm sure that on a blind tasting, I would have been fooled by that between number one and number two.
2: It was a kind of kind of slightly sweet fruity coffee uh, presents very differently in beer to the, the tonka vanilla. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, and also I'm still always blown away by the whole vanilla pod thing. Is supposed to add bitterness, and I'm always in my head going, "Well, it's sweet because I've always got the vanilla ice cream type yeah. analogy in my head." Um, but I think actually. The addition of this is, is is very good actually. I think it does work well as a, as a counterpoint to the tonka bean.
2: Yeah, we, we, went, we went slightly uh, we went slightly higher on the vanilla. We added some used some um, raw vanilla pods, um, sliced, and said so went in the tincture, and then some extract as well, some pure extract to add, kind of round it out a little bit. Just to try and uh, I really like tonka, but it's not for everybody. So let's not make it, you know, right at the front of this beer. Let's try and make it part of a supporting cast of stuff going on.
1: Yeah, vanilla's not cheap, though, is it? Vanilla pods?
2: No, it's very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we use a, a pure extract um, as well, um, in addition, and that's not cheap either.
0: I think, why we drink our way through this, let's get on to this week's question. opinions, 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 opinions. Which was very much based on a concept or, or a paradox um, and, and it will come as no surprise to anybody that, that, that Martin and I pulled this <laughs> straight out of the Marvel universe as, as, as well. So um, this, is, this is the ship of Theseus uh, paradox which is essentially a thought experiment which raises the question of whether an object that has had all of its components replaced remains fundamentally the same object or whether it becomes a different object. So we kind of translated that to beer. And and we asked the question, if a beer undergoes a number of changes to its core ingredients that results in changes to appearance, flavor and ABV, is it the same beer or is it a different beer? Um, 542 votes on this, 95.2% of people said it was a different beer only 4.8% of people said it was the same beer. Now, I want to start off with our thoughts on this this week rather than than, than saving hours till the end. Uh, and I'm going to start off with Andy's thoughts on this as well. because Andy, I know you did uh, reply to this one when, when we initially did it, but what were what, what your thoughts on this in terms of a, a beer being called a particular beer, changing all of its ingredients, but still being called the same beer?
2: <laughs> well if you look at our kind of core range we do that a lot so <laughs> although we do we are transparent on it and it's on the public but um I, you know i think beers do um evolve and are tweaked uh, even core beers uh, as you brew them um and you talk to any brewery about their flagship beer so how has this changed and you probably get an answer oh yeah we, we you know, tweaked this we took that and it kind of evolved into where it is now and, and as you as your processes improve and you learn you know better brewing processes or when you work with better ingredients you try and tweak and improve your products so i do think that beers evolve and change over time and that's a natural part of of any product development um but i think if you're if you're changing the abv and the, and the style and the you know there's got to be some parameters around it where it becomes a different bit i think
0: i think that's it's it's an interesting point you make because i I actually until you said it I, I then had that Eureka moment. Yeah, actually, most of your core beers change their, their, their hops, don't they? Yeah. With with, with with each brew. So you've got you've got the same base beer which has its name and then dependent on which base beer that has, it has its whatever version, number version is of that beer, dependent on the hop combinations that you
2: use. But, but- also if you like let's take level up as an example um, we tweak the, the the base beer as well <laughs> so, so we play with the grist and the grist and beer is a constant thing in that recipe uh, and the one we released in can was let's take it back to the beginning again and start again like where are we where where have we come with this beer um, so yeah we do we do tweak the hops in it but we pretty much every brew has been slightly different in some way sometimes born out of what we you know we, we may be short on we, it, it's got seven different grains. If we're short on one, we might tweak a little bit. The other move along a little bit, um, but um, yeah, it, it's it's a moving target in that sense.
0: And is but is that just is is that just part and parcel of brewing? Because can can you guarantee that any two batches of the same malts are going to be identical?
2: No, um, you can't. I mean, the the, the, the malt uh, you know the malt is operating within a certain spec. And they'll they'll guarantee you're in this certain range, but with a beer with seven different malts in it, obviously you're going to get a slight variability in it. Um, and we've of, we've also switched between suppliers on certain malts and so on, so you get that different, like a light crystal from Simpsons is different with a light crystal from Muntons. uh So you know, you have to kind of adjust and tweak the recipe in that sense as well. Because we also know that that the hops will change
0: from harvest to harvest as well, won't won't they? Dependent on the weather conditions whether it's been exceptionally hot whether it's been overly wet and that you, you know particularly this last couple of years a, a lot of people have been commenting on how much mosaic has changed say from from what it was to what it is now and uh, i'm just wondering if, if if that is just the pure consequence of brewing you're, you're dealing with products that nature is, is is giving you and there's there's no guarantee that any two batches are ever going to be identical.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. If you look at, um, well, I remember like John Keelan, you know, a fellow saying that, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, they brew, if you think of London Pride, you know, that's their flagship and that's their thing. Um, and, you know, like a high percentage of their output is that one beer. But all the variables operate underneath that. As you said, from mold, different malt, different hops, you know, the yeast. Um, and you, and it, it's, it's, your job as a head brewer to kind of make sure that what ends up in the glass is recognisable as that beer. So if you're brewing like a flagship beer that absolutely doesn't change in terms of how you market it and how you sell it, it must be London Pride, uh, then it's, got, it's a complex thing underneath it to try and bring all those variables together each time to achieve the same thing in the glass. Which is quite different to where that Paul went in terms of, what well, we did changed the recipe because of X. We got a new process, we got a new we changed the hopping, we have the yeast in, which is kind of a different thing
1: altogether. So what you're saying pretty much, so summing up is where it's evolutionary or born out of necessity and it's tweaks and little changes, same beer. If it's a revolution, perhaps not.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, we've
0: got we've got a few actual examples which we'll come on to uh, that, that that people have suggested. But as I say, we'll come on to those because I'm, I'm interested. First of all, Martin, you haven't shared your view on 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 this one yet. What what's what's your view for if a, if a beer changes so much? Can it still be the same beer?
1: I was torn on this because I think when you look at the question cold, you just go, "Well, of course it can't. It can't be the same beer." But then the more you think about it, the more you talk about it, and the more you see conversations going on there's probably none of my favorite beers are exactly the same as when they first came out, whatever that beer might be, that it would have undergone some changes and and a lot of them may well have been for the better. I may well be getting a better product when I first had it. Um, I suppose there are some beers uh, I won't reference any yet because, you know, we've got those coming up. So spoilers um, where they do definitely feel like different beers. And I mean, completely different beers or very close to different beers, and then I think, uh, I'm not sure you should be calling it the same beer. And also you're perhaps sullying my memory of what I really enjoyed about that beer, perhaps originally as well. So I'd probably still vote the same way. It's a different beer because, you know, we said appearance, flavor ABV, but I think a subtle evolution over time, I've got no doubt in, you know, Jaipur for example, must have undergone various changes over its over its lifespan, and yet I still seem to love it every time, and I don't seem to notice it that there's been changes. But I, I've got no doubt there must be in the background somewhere. So i would still vote the same way, which I did. It's a different beer, but I think there are subtleties to the answer and nuances. What about you, Steve?
0: Yeah, I I think I'm probably of the same mindset as as as, as the, the, the both of you really in in terms of I, I think. The evolution of, of a beer in, in terms of taking on new brewing processes, new ingredients that will inevitably change that beer within a certain set of parameters is is fine um, because it's still essentially that beer. I, I, I think it's when there's, there's wholesale change to it and it, it still tried to be passed off as being the same beer. That's that's when I think that it, it's not the same beer. And, and as, as we've already alluded to, we've got, we've, we've got some examples. Should we, should we do the examples now, seeing as we... Well, I suppose about... we have
1: alluded to them a few times now, so let's, okay, yeah. let's, let's roll with it, Steve.
0: Uh, OK, so um, the, the first one that, that was suggested was from Neil Walker at Einst C. Neil, um, who said that Beaver Town's neck oil was originally a multi-sweet brown West Country bitter um, and that's got to go down as one of the biggest U-turns on beers of all times compared to what it is now.
1: Fair.
2: <laughs> that has changed a lot. I mean, yeah, it started out as like a trying to become like, yeah, the, you know, Logan's from the West Midlands and being that kind of West Midlands bit. Uh, um, yeah, interesting point. It's changed a lot. There's now a hoppy, very pale station yep. beer.
0: Well, stand with Beaver Town, uh, this one from Pete McCarry uh bloody L, which is now a completely different beer from what it originally was when it was released it's what two percent lower in in abv and and certainly from the last time i tried it it's got nowhere near the the bitter kick that the original had of of that
1: it hasn't got the punch hasn't got that same real orange punch but a superb drink it was once i remember having that out of bottle.
0: Next one's an, another interesting one. So this is from Simon Clark at Simon Carbon, who said about Adnum's broadside and, and the differences between the cask product and the bottled
1: product. It's a- always bloody annoyed me, that has. Always bloody annoyed me, Steve. It, I, I know that there are obviously similarities, but it's about 1.5% difference in ABV for starters, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, by, by all accounts, they they had to do that because the the, the locals were... Basically, just getting too pissed on 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 the stronger version on on cask in in local pubs in Suffolk. They called
1: the bottle version Broadside XX or something. I, I don't know, but that, that that I think because I like Adnams and I like both versions of Broadside, I just wish they'd call it a different name. One of them.
0: I think I think on Untapped, the only distinguishing feature between the two is the bottle version is called Strong. Is that it? Yeah,
1: but that's not that's only on Untapped, isn't it?
0: That's not Adam's branding to it. No, no. no. Um, from Mick McGrawty, uh he's cited both Cannonball and Axe Edge as two, two beers of, that have gone through ooh, massive changes.
1: Two of the holy trinity, Steve. Yes,
0: yeah. Well, I am in a certain amount of agreement with Axe Edge. I, I think it's unrecognisable from the, the, the beer that I try, tried maybe four, five years ago and absolutely fell in love with Um Cannonball seems to have gone through uh, a, a number of changes um, over time, but they seem to have settled on the right recipe for it now. Um, but I can understand where Mick's coming from with, with, with both of those. I can.
1: I think Cannonball is closer to what it was. Axe Edge is a different beer. And not yeah. for the better either.
0: I'd have to agree, unfortunately, which is a real, a real shame. From from my point of view,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I second that. It's a shame because it was a real classic for me of the of that particular style, and so well done. And that was the same for all the Buxton beers as well.
0: Although that does leave more room for more Oregon Trail in in, in my life, so at least there's a there's a there's a ready-made replacement.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he's just left the recording to think, oh shit, I've got to ramp up brewing again. <laughs>
0: Um, And then the final one as as well, and this this is probably the the most interesting one, is um, Camden Town's India Hell's Lager, um, basically completely changing its identity, all of its ingredients, and becoming a new beer called Show Off. But the untapped history of Camden IHL basically got transferred to Show Off. That was bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah, because I properly rated ihl yeah Uh, that that was a four four and a half maybe even a five star beer for me and and the fact that they've basically imported all of that history over to show off which is a totally different beer in in every respect I, i i just can't believe that that's been allowed to happen
1: well i mean i mean if we take that in two parts first of all credit where credit's due they did change the name of the beer, and made it very clear, but it was a, a different beer. So yeah. yes,
0: yeah, there, and and there was an advertising campaign around yeah. that as well. First so, yeah, bit, yeah.
1: fine. I mean, I don't think they should ever. I think bring out show off, but you could have kept IHL as well, given the scale of the brewery these days. The Untapped bit is just odd. That bit I don't understand, and I do wonder whether there's a, a ZX, is it did Zex Ventures who bought into Untapped, or was um, that another? ZX bought into rate beer, didn't they? So it wasn't untapped. I just found it odd that that was, a, that was allowed, given some of the mishaps that can happen with uh, beer creations that are wiped by, you know, by moderators and stuff. And you know, rightly so, if that's, their, if that's their job to do it. But that one, it's a different beer. Just leave my IHL check-ins with all my wonderful comments and ratings to one side... And then let me do show. Because when I went to check and show off, it came up with like four plus already. And I was thinking, I haven't had it. How you give, why yeah. are you giving me a rating already? So yeah, that one, that one's a slight slightly an outlier, isn't it? But they were good examples.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm sure there are others, and and obviously if our listeners have got any other examples, use the hashtag opinions and and, and we'll find those. Let's go through all of these other comments that that were made on on this one as well, because there are some interesting bits in here. And I think it's going to pick up some of what we've already just discussed there as well. So first up from Dr. Goggles, um, how can it be the same when it's different? And and I suppose that very much lends itself to that IHL show-off discussion there. Uh, He then goes on to say the ship of Theseus paradox is also better known to British Audiences as triggers broom.
1: Uh, I'm going to have to say so because when I watch the episode of One Division that caused this whole opinions poll to be created, Steve, there's this philosophical debate going on by two AI type creatures, and all I'm thinking of is is Trigger in the next Ed talking to Rodney about his broom. Brilliant.
0: Yeah, I, I never got that connection and, and, until people started saying it. Um, oh, really? No, it I'm, right, I'm, not a massive, I'm not a massive Only Fools and Horses fan, so um, it, it's probably quite easy, easily passed me by. Oh, that fair thing. enough. I know that will resonate with a number of people. Uh, from Stu mckinley we changed the digital ipa from seven percent to five point seven percent many years ago because Gunnar matter became our biggest seller and they didn't feel like there was a place in my fridge for digital unless we made a change change kept the same profile just eased off the booze so much the same as the bloody l example or reduction in abv but they're saying that all of the other characteristics stayed the same
1: yeah which we probably wouldn't say the same about bloody l no Abs- as, a, absolutely as, a, as a comparison point yeah uh, from ross clark gentleman of beer tricky one this i think most recipes are tweaked over time more or less of an existing ingredient tweaks the timings fermentations etc to actively replace different ingredients to me would make it a different beer altogether and i believe i believe should be named differently from david at dw markham won't be the same, assuming the changes are gradual. Things evolve over time and are more than the sum of their parts. If this drinker still thinks of it as X, then it remains X.
0: From Beer Clock Brewing at. B.O. Brewing, I brewed a version of Ruddles County from the original recipe, and it was fantastic. Nothing like the modern Green King version. Also, Punk IPA was 6% originally and is now down to 5.2%. Clearly, a lot less hops are used. It's a cheap to use the same name for these beers. And I think the Punk one's an interesting one because a lot of people have said over time how much that beer has actually changed.
1: Yeah, I know. I, Punk, I was a late adopter, as in relatively speaking to the original, but... Even I remember those really overt, like, bubblegum notes from the beer. And that's nowhere near the beer I have when I do have it now. It's it's smooth, it's easy drinking, but ultimately it's a bit inoffensive, Punk IPA, isn't it? Mm, yeah.
0: From Gideon Amos at Gideon Amos Number 1, the recent re-release of Marble Ginger was phenomenal. The tweaks made definitely improved on what was already a stunning product.
1: You had that recently, didn't you, Steve? Not the ginger, no. Uh, did, did you not get that one in your pack?
0: No, I, I went for all of their other kind of legacy re releases. Um, but that, that's, an, that's another interesting one because the the new version of Dobber was a million miles away from original Dobber. It, it was almost unrecognizable. Um, but again, if you, if you come back to Untapped, it's in there as a different beer.
1: Oh, okay. Fair enough. Craig, Time Lord to the Stars. In about 2000. And- 2007 i discovered that on rate beer the recipe could change the brewer could change the brewery could change the abv could change the name could change yet it was the same beer no real definition ever seemed to exist of what a beer was why each beer so why each decision was made did make sense but the bigger picture was that there was no definition of what a beer it's the same beer if people accept it's the same beer, which I think sort of ties into what David at DW Markham said. If you believe it's X, it still remains as X.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Peter Sidwell, trading standards chap, once told us that a customer has a right to expect a product with the same name and packaging to be consistent. I'd say if it tastes the same, then the ingredients changing doesn't matter so much. The essence of a given beer is in the experience of it. Ironically, it was the Theseus not changing his ship's sails who got his father killed. There must be a moral about the packaging in there somewhere.
0: That's going very much into the mythology of that one, isn't it? Even, even, yeah. even, even I didn't read that far into the, the story of Theseus. So, <laughs> from Paulie G at Can I Get a P? Uh, my view is that. After all the changes, is it perceptively a different beer to the nose and tongue? Then it's a different beer. There are beers that relied on a hop they couldn't get, but were still sold as the original. Pliny the Elder has changed its recipe several times and had to be tweaked for the Windsor kit, but it's still Pliny by virtue of how it presents itself in the glass. All Our The Beer at All Our The Beer. It's a bit like the Ford Cortina or Ford Escort. How can they be called the same thing when they are completely different? It's still, probably better than the modern craft, which seems like the same, all the same beer, but with a different name so people keep buying.
1: From Johnny Beer Boy at Johnny Beer Boy. Nothing and no one remains the same. Moment to moment, we fundamentally change, physically and mentally. Most beers change from brew to brew, I'd imagine. Absolutely love this blend of philosophy and beer, by the way but you've got to take branding, etc. Also, if the brewer is calling it the same beer, can you say it isn't? Again, it leads you down another philosophical wormhole and in brackets, blows a million chef's kisses around this question.
0: I think <laughs> he liked this question
2: then.
1: He did like this question. Yeah. I think he could have gone on with that one. And from Fergus, sole beer of Adnams fame, a beer is never made from the exact same ingredients twice. So in the vein of the ship of Theseus, every new batch is a new ship. We recognise the name of the ship and treat it as our friend. But in truth, our friend was fleeting and our friendship is made anew.
0: Great comment, that one. Uh, I know that comment got a lot of love as, yeah. as, as well. Uh, and then the final comment is from Michael at Bring On The Beer. Uh, and this, well, this one's very prevalent to us and discussion we had earlier, actually. If one of the presenters left the beer O'clock show and it carried on with a new presenter, would it still be the same show? Well, we, we can actually answer that one because... We can. No, it's not the same show i i'm the one constant to what was the beer o'clock show but the the product that we had with mark is a million miles away from what you and i do now martin so yes it's it's the beer o'clock show but it's a different version of, of the beer o'clock show
1: yeah it's a different format um i don't think it's we didn't try to do the same as say top gear did when the three original presenters went off to amazon they fairly much tried to keep the formula fairly much the same. Whereas I think, apart from the fact we wanted that very good um, conversational interaction that you used to have with Mark, a lot of the rest of it is very different to what the original Beer O'Clock Show was like.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that does actually also throw up an, an additional paradox, which... It's just come to me as well, having read the, the, the basic background on the ship of Theseus earlier. And, and that is, if, if you take a part of the original ship and build a new ship from it, is that also the ship of Theseus?
1: Okay, that's too much of a rabbit hole <laughs> given, but I've almost come to the end of my second ten percent beer of the evening, Steve.
0: But I think somebody um somebody related that in a in, in a beer sense as as well. And I don't think I included it in the notes. Somebody said that if 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 a a barrel that had housed an imperial stout was broken apart and one of the staves was used to build a new barrel. Has that barrel already held an imperial stout in it? No, but it's the same concept.
1: I never said I agreed with the whole concept.
0: <laughs> I never asked if you agreed with the concept or not. I just thought it'd be a great one to do. I think, the, I think, I think this one might run a little bit. Yeah, you, th- you throw in three 10% imperial stouts, and y- you know, we could be dis- discussing this for hours. <laughs>
2: I think we're Not back the... to Trigger's broom again, aren't we? <laughs> just a, a little bit, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but as, as Martin said, this this one could, could just run and run. Um, keep your views coming in on this. Use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show.
2: Let us know. Write it down.
0: Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So from Jack Renders at Renders Jack, I love the sheer Sierra Nevada and consistency show. Being a status quo found, the, out, the outro to the consistency show made me think my smartphone had become very, very smart. Default, play the quo. And then from Ronnie Bean at Ronnie Bean, interesting show today. Something I've never thought about trying. Sorted peanuts go with everything.
1: From Paulie G at Can I Get a a P? Always great to hear from Melissa. Having pints of Pale Rider and the Fat Cat is a treasured memory from Sheffield Beer Week. Must have been a coincidence if I used a recipe from a book as a basis for tonight's dinner. From Rich Taylor at rich taylor 1608 informative enjoyable and passionate these are the words i would use to describe this episode thanks to melissa for answering my question and being so insightful i'm looking forward to cooking recipes from your book steve and martin you are okay i suppose yeah cheers rich
0: yeah rich still hasn't worked out how to actually
1: score the number one fan points no, no, but he's, he's got, he's probably got the highest negative so early on in the calendar year.
0: <laughs> from Adam Graver, at, um, Adam Graver, great listen to this week's show, drinking a hells this evening. Melissa, always brilliant and a great overall episode. And then finally, from Beyond the Pow at Ian Sutton 12, started listening to the pod as I started a slow 11 mile walk. By the time it had finished, I'd noticed I was walking faster and faster due to hunger pangs, book ordered on return as well.
1: I did put I did put a warning on when we released the show. I said eat before listening.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and that that, that was a great show um, with with Melissa. Just listening to her talking about food and 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 how the, the, the two work together, um, really enjoyable. I've nearly finished my uh, tonka and and, and vanilla. Stout. Well, apart from the
1: bit we've promised, we said we'd leave to the end. I have done what I need to on that one, and some of those cinnamon notes and the. Overtly boozy, the more boozy hit leveled off. I think as we got conversational about the opinion subject and I wasn't really thinking about it, it sort of sort of went into the background a bit, but it still feels like I've definitely feels like I've had the 10% beer now.
0: Oh, I, I'm definitely feeling it. I I can
1: tell you that now. <laughs> Strap yourselves in, folks. There's still another beer to go.
0: That <laughs> there is. Um, so let's let's move on to that. Um, the next one we're doing in the range again is the ne- Nexus Imperial Stout. And this is the
2: Raspberry Ruin edition. So yeah, this is um again the same base beer, but Raspberry Ruin is um it's back to we did a festival at Stokey Beer Fest, uh for ooh, a couple of years ago now. We did two in a row maybe it was three um and we came out of a beer called raspberry ruin it was basically to brew the most raspberry beer ever um and it became a bit of a weird hit at that festival and what we wanted to do with this version of nexus was to try and recreate that so was was the the original word a, a stout as well because I, I thought
0: i recognized the name when it when it first came through as as, as being a so, so yeah is, this is a live ship of theseus is this this is this the same <laughs> beer or is this a
2: different beer it's a different beer, Steve. So um, raspberry ruin. I think the first version was eight point eight. It was definitely lower ABV than this, um, and it was also quite a sweet, more lactosey kind of beer. Whereas these, this is a very dry roasted imperial stout. So what we did was the same raspberry treatment around the pure extract and, and fruit to bring that kind of intensity of raspberry into this into this same beer. So we've got the Raspberry Edition Nexus rather than Raspberry,
0: Roo, which is a different beer. Well, I, I just want to try it because on the nose it is full on raspberry, and, yeah. and um, I, I'm looking forward to that coming through on the flavour as well. So cheers. Cheers.
1: Cheers. It's hard to get past the aroma, to be honest, because it is—it's quite a sherbety raspberry note to it.
0: Mm. Oh, that's like pudding. After, after after, the previous two, that's that's like pudding in a glass.
1: So does that mean arguably we've had this as like a starter and a main and a dessert?
0: Well, you wouldn't really start with coffee, would you?
1: No, but you would start with something a bit more subtle as not to ruin your palate before your main yeah. course. And then your dessert is going to be that bit sweeter and a, and something different to your main course.
0: I, I have to I say, was, I was quite surprised when Andy sent through the order to drink them in because... I would have done the coffee one last, in, because in case be, it was after dinner. Yeah, yeah, but obviously Andy, being the, the, the brewer, knows how much has gone into each of these and and, and what flavour profile was to expect.
2: Yeah, I think we went more in order of intensity of flavour. So the coffee one was the most delicate, subtle, tonk of vanilla building up a little bit, and the raspberry one, in a way, as you said, Steve, was dessert, um,
1: but definitely the most intense in terms of flavour and aroma. It's got a lovely carbonation to it as well but really draws out that fruity flavor and again I feel like I've I feel like I've although the aroma and flavor is more intense I feel like I've dropped the ABV again. I think that's fair
2: actually yeah trying I remember trying the, the middle one was definitely definitely that boozy hit going on uh, whereas this one it's dropped off a little bit with the fruit. So uh, yeah, good chap.
0: So is this something that you is is this going to become sort of an annual release for you it this nexus series and is is it going to be the same thing every year or are you going to play around with the variations or is it just a one off what what
2: what's your plan with this i think it was more about um playing around as a series so i think i'd like to brew more and try different flavors in them
1: um going forward so not not repeat these ones but something different again it's got that this one's got that lightness about it again it's gone from that slightly uh fuller feeling that the first the second one gave me to that lighter feeling that the first one gave me but it's amazing that same if essentially the same beer that you've split off to go in different directions um has a very different feel to it all, across all three of them i mean, there's, there's definitely a it's an interesting way of doing it I know you're talking about the branding, having the branding all the same, and literally the only difference is the very bottom bit—the name.
2: Yeah, just the text on the on the bottom of the can. Yeah, um, maybe that is a good time to go back to the others again and see how they compare.
1: Yeah, oh, well, if you insist. I mean, what yeah. else could go? What else could happen with this show? Is the only person left standing is Andy, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, yeah. and Martin? Just yeah. fall off. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure this was his
0: plan to to, to yeah. come on and just destroy the pair of us.
1: Yeah, he's gone nine years is enough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so go back to the coffee now and, and um I'm gonna make an assertion that actually uh the coffee's more intense. It certainly is on the nose.
1: Yes, I was gonna say it's actually um it actually smells oh, a bit of a weird thing to say. It sounds a bit it smells a bit more bitter and roasted now.
2: And I think for me it's a contrast of the fruit going back to the coffee um and you suddenly pick that up a bit more on your nose because you've got the the roast is still there on the raspberry but you go back and, and the coffee's the being the main differential so this is the biggest contrast of three beers for me is the coffee to the raspberry and for me it just accentuates the coffee going back between
1: them i've got a feeling that the raspberry is going to be even sweeter now having gone to the, back to the coffee
0: yeah it is, is that
1: Oh, the sweetness
0: comes straight through on the raspberry, and and almost what you get the second time after the coffee is is, is something you didn't pick up the first time. Maybe when you drank it, there's there's a bit more tartness to that raspberry mm. as as well, and it's, it's it's a much bigger hit initially.
1: Uh, just to back up Steve, though, I would have I probably would have suggested the same the same order. I would have had the coffee at the end because I would have had that automatic assumption in my head, but it would have quite a coffee hit to it, and it'd be like that after dinner you know end of evening kind of yeah. kind of drink which is the most ridiculous drink ever is to drink at the end of an evening it's like a full-blooded <laughs> coffee isn't it really um,
0: well, I, I think i just went into full-on steve mode and when i was thinking about what order we drink these i was like well we'll do the tonka one first get that out of the way and then we'll, <laughs> we'll, then we'll drink the other two uh, but but when andy said we're gonna do that in the middle i was like oh, okay then we'll do it in the middle
1: so, speaking of the tonka, how should I approach that now? Should I have another sip of the raspberry and go to the tonka, Andy?
2: Well, I think if you go, well, go from raspberry to tonka, and I think it's more muted because the raspberry is quite intense and that sweetness is there. And back to the tonka, I mean, Steve will like this because it's more muted for sure. So, I get more of the coconut, and the coconut raspberry thing definitely works. It just softens it. Yeah softens the flavors on the
0: Tonka and and it it, it almost brings through a little bit more of the roastedness in in there, which makes just balances it out a little bit more for me.
1: So what what was the thinking of, I mean, obviously you give us an order and then you've suggested going a bit back and forth on them. But did you have it in your head that these three beers and the three flavor profiles you'd done, would make an interesting contrast.
2: Yeah, so a little sub thing was to release three beers that are blendable. So um, that's maybe a fun thing to try if you're drinking at home is basically, like if you take the, the coffee and the raspberry or the tonka and the raspberry and try blending a little bit, you can you can try to moderate things back a little bit. So it's a little bit of fun to be had uh, by taking the things, you know, the, the acidity and sharpness of the raspberry back to the, the coffee and the tonka and seeing what goes on
1: in the glass. Right, okay, you know
0: I've, <laughs> I've, I've jumped on that. I'm, I'm right, so it... which
1: one? So it's Steve, just so so we do it a little bit scientifically. Which are you? What are you blending?
0: I'm putting raspberry in both of the other ones.
1: Why don't you just do raspberry in one? Too late. And I'll do raspberry in the other. It's too
0: late. I've put it in both now. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you drink three ten percent stuff. So Steve will be the
2: tonka fan. I think raspberry and tonka. What do you think of that? That works
0: really well, actually. Um, I did, I'd say probably two to one in, in terms of, uh, the Tonka to the raspberry. Um, the addition of the raspberry to it has as, as just dialed down all of the, uh, the kind of the warming boozy notes that were in that edition and has just softened it down a bit, added a little bit of sweetness to it. Um, probably made it a little bit more along the lines of a pastry stout I, I suppose there's a bit more sweetness in there but w- without any of the lactose or anything like that um that that works really well actually
1: the, the, i did as a 50 50 and yes it does work really well um really interesting idea because i mean i think we did blending a couple of years ago as a concept on the show and whether it's a yes or a no but you've actually thought about this haven't you andy you've actually thought <laughs> this could work and you know maybe if People like me and Steve aren't fans of one particular type. That you can actually maybe top it up, blend it, and end up with something a little bit different, but softens the impact of the one you, that you're not such a fan of.
2: Yeah, and it's three very contrasting flavors. I mean, the coffee's more delicate, um, tonka. Yeah, it, it, it's not for everybody, but more spicy, cinnamony. Uh, And then the raspberry on the end, you know, definitely fun to play with those different flavours. There's things that work together for a contrast and things that complement.
0: So, Andy, how are these going to be um, available? Are they available as single beers or are they only going to be like available as a set?
2: So either or. So we're going to release them as a three pack with a bit of discount. And then you can buy them individually individually if you want to. Uh, And when are they out? They're coming out uh, to coincide with the release of the show. Um, okay. so yeah
0: so as people are listening to us now the beer should be on your website yes so there will be a link in the show notes to uh the elusive website where you can go find the nexus beers and try them for yourself and, and try the blending as 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 well i mean i've, I've just pro- done the,
1: i've just done the coffee and raspberry yeah <laughs> fucking amazing
0: that works so well doesn't it <laughs> but, i mean that that is like a dessert course isn't it where you've got something that like a little raspberry tart with a little shot of espresso
1: it's wonderful that's that blend works really well that should become one of next year's series
0: While while we're finishing all of this ten percent beer in front of us, um, (laughs) Andy, while
1: while it's finishing us,
0: yeah, tell (laughs) us uh, what's next for Elusive. So, as 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 we spoke about earlier, you know, you've just come through probably the toughest year you're ever going to face as a as as a a business. Um, Where do you go from from, from here? Where are you looking to take uh, Elusive? Well, I've always said with Elusive
2: that we wanted to be, we're always going to be small. I've got no ambition to be a big brewery. Um, We don't want to take over the world. We just want to be like serve our local community um, and brew the beers that you know we think people enjoy. Um, So the next few months are going to be building our tap room, trying to get more people into the brewery locally. Um, In terms of my uh, roost coming in now, so it frees me not to go back to production. I want to improve the quality of our small pack, especially because. You know, it's all new to us in Can. We want to make things more consistent and reliable um, and basically just push on in small baby steps in my own little risk-averse way. Um, we're five years old now. Um, we, you know, we're still in the same couple of units we started in. Um, as I said, we've not got no great ambition to take over the world. We just want to be producing quality beer that people can enjoy at home or locally. And... Um, you know that they know our elusive beers, and they recognize the brand and, and they like what we do
0: and as we move back to hopefully normal times if, if if people want to come down and drink it elusive when when is the
2: normal taproom opening is it kind of just weekends only so it, it depends on the restrictions so we can only allow drinking outside on a saturday because we're on a shared estate and we're allowed to use the car park on a saturday because everyone's you know, working elsewhere, or whatever. So basically on a Saturday you can drink outside um, and come down like 12 till six uh, on a Friday. You can under normal times drink inside uh, or we've got a shop going on as well. Uh, if you want to be beer, beer to take away or you can order online. Excellent. And in terms of what,
0: what beers are coming next from you and anything that you can reveal at this stage that might be new and exciting for our listeners.
2: So here's a little exclusive for you. Um, so we've got our fifth birthday coming up um, and we're doing, we, we thought about doing five collabs, but it's a bit ambitious given where we are, but we're definitely in a club with Double Barreled, with Siren and with Beard. So they'll be released as part of our birthday releases at the end of May. Excellent.
0: It's, uh, I, I love that little link of you going back and doing something with Beard.
1: I knew uh, again, you were going to say that, Steve.
0: It, it, that just ticks so many boxes for me because obviously they were they were responsible for
2: your first commercial release yeah. when you were still a home brewer, weren't they? Yeah, like well-remembered, mate. Yeah, basically, uh, we've got such a connection with Weirdbeard. Um, I mean, Greg and Brian founded that brewery in 2013 um, and I met them a, a while before that. Uh, and um, yeah, it's still quite close to my heart as a brewery. Obviously, Greg's moved on. Um, Brian's still there and um, it's like Lord Nelson is still for me our flagship beer even though it's not a best seller and um, yeah that was originally Brewed Weird Weirdbeard and we obviously were ours and that a collab um, but yeah I couldn't I couldn't celebrate a big birthday without involving Weird Beard yeah. I'm not I mean, quite sure what we're not Don't know what we're going to brew yet. We'll find out soon. It's, it's not. It's not going to be double Lord Nelson then, or anything like that. Uh, well, there's a shout.
0: <laughs> maybe <laughs> if the, so
2: listeners, the want, listeners want to chime in, we can maybe come, you know, find something out and see what we want to brew. But
0: yeah, oh, absolutely, we'll, we'll we'll take that challenge. So if anybody, any of our <laughs> listeners have got any suggestions, what you want to see from um, elusive and uh, and Weird Beard, let us know. Use the hashtag opinions. But yeah, I mean. Lord Nelson is a is is a is a real. It's one of those kind of pinnacle beer moments in in, in terms of. I remember the first time I tried it, and it's it's absolutely stunning. And I I'm going to go out there as saying I I honestly believe that that beer is the UK's equivalent to Saison Dupont. That that's how good I think that beer is. I love it, and I I love it when it comes out every year. I got my fair share of it this year when or in the last year during, during the lockdown period. And it was, it was one that I I was always reaching for in my fridge. And I, I know you've, you've spoken in the past about some trepidation in terms of putting that into cans because of the, that the yeast and the way it ferments it's, is that going to, is that coming into cans or are we still going to see that in bottles?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, you're, and thank you, Steve. That's very, generous words and i appreciate them very much um, but yeah I want to can it um, because uh, we' talked about market access we cans um, but we need, need to work on the yeast a little bit uh, I had some help online from some great brewers out there a recent Don Zocco especially chimed in and gave me some tips on how to do that and let the so basically the issue is that that yeast is a di- diastatic strain and it, it ferments everything inside so he gave me some tips on how to give it some help and get it there quicker before you can it. <laughs> and can it when it's finished, um, because if you don't do if you do what we do currently, uh, it picks up more points in bottle, and then you know that's fine in bottle because bottles can handle the pressure. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, we will can that. I think uh, that will help it get further out there and hopefully more people will enjoy it as a, as a result of that.
0: I've still got a bit to go with with, with all of my beers. I'm I, I'm I'm really enjoying the the Raspberry Ruin Edition. Um, I, I I think in in terms of the order that you suggested we've done these, Andy, you've got it bang on, because it's it, it is just a little bit lighter to 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 finish on. It's it, it's got a little bit more of a refreshing hit to it as as well, if if you can say such a thing to a ten percent Imperial Stout. I think you can. I think yeah. Yeah, it's
1: definitely a bit more uh, spritzy than say the second one. Yes. It, it, yeah. it had a lighter feel to it and, that, and because it had so much overt fruit flavor it was almost like having a sorbet at the end of the meal so i think i think the balance has worked really well i think the idea of blending it which again i think when we spoke about it before steve i was always a bit oh should i should i know and i've now added raspberry to to both of the beers like you did Steve, and it works with both of them it's a fantastic series of beers so all I would say is to anyone who does want to try them, I would buy it all free. Uh, and you don't have to do it the same order. But maybe leave a little bit at the end and see what see about the blending and,
0: and play around with them a, a, a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I'm almost tempted to want to put all three into one and see what happens. But I, I think that might be going a step that's, that's, too far. <laughs> <Let's> close <laughs> out the show first, Steve. Close yeah, out the show yeah, first. Yeah, um, Andy, thank you uh, so much for for joining us tonight, and thank you for sending the beers across. Yeah, thanks uh, very much. Along with more than you should have sent us um thank you so much for that because it's it's been a pleasure i've certainly tried some of those of beers you sent us this weekend uh that ravenwood mate that is so good that is bang That's fantastic absolutely
1: yeah. fantastic
0: that that is really good so thank you
2: for that we really do appreciate it thanks for having me on man and um yeah i think um ravenwood's been a weird successful hit for us along with um mechanism and american brown There's definitely a lot of love for Hoppy Dark beers out there. Absolutely, yeah. There's there's a
0: real movement for American Brown Owls as well at the moment. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, But no, thank thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing beers with us. Uh, We'll put links in the show notes to where people can find Elusive and where people can find your shop. Martin, what have we got coming up next time?
1: Adam Graver from Time for a Brew podcast is joining us. And either to cheers or groans... We are going to discuss the multiverse that is untapped.
0: Yeah, we've done we've done untapped twice, haven't we? Um, it's been three years since we've done untapped. Uh, it's been but a while. I, I know you and I have possibly both changed the way we use it a little bit. I know we've spoken about it quite a lot this evening in terms of the way it's changed and the way it does things, but we thought the time was right to do a revisit on the whole untapped discussion. So, uh, um, if,
1: obviously, so did untapped with their one billion check-in.
0: Yeah, they they landed that perfectly in in, in time for our <laughs> poll. So, uh, if you do have any comments on that, use the hashtag opinions and you can carry on getting involved. I'm still gonna be drinking ten percent imperial stout into the rest of the evening. Andy, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. All we've got left to say is cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
2: cheers. Action is made.